Rico Navarro weaving his way through, and it's in! All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into episode 39 of the Intercontinental Football Show. It has been quite some time since I have had all three, or all two, all three, I don't know. At this point, it's dizzying to think about, but A-Dub, Arlo are here. We have loads to talk about. This is going to be a Premier League heavy episode. Arlo is back from hosting duties. It looked like you just enjoyed, Arlo, it looked like you just had a fabulous time in LA. I currently right now am in the Blackstone Hotel um, ahead of the Shakiri Presser. Unfortunately, as soon as I got back from preseason in Austin, I came home to what was just shambles of an internet situation. Either a drunk or a homeless person or a drunk homeless person decided to rip down the internet box that faces the street in my apartment in Chicago. Um, absolutely mangled. Think of it as sort of, you know, Leeds United on a set piece. But that's where I am right now. Arlo is back in England. My friend, it, it seemed like you had a great time in L.A. You were you were engaging in a different discipline. We have possibly every single topic to cover in the Premier League. But I'll start with this. How does it feel to be back in your own digs? Awful. Uh, absolutely awful. Um, I miss America. I miss uh, I miss Los Angeles. I miss the sunshine. Um, I've got back. It's nice to be at home, obviously, with loved ones, etc. Um, but you know, we have a lower bar than than America for naming storms. We've only started doing it recently, um, and we've had three. We usually get a couple per year. We've had three in six days. They go in alphabetical order. So we've had Dudley, Eunice, and and Franklin. And at this rate, we're going to be at Storm's use by mid-March. I mean, it's just very, ridiculous. very English names, very yeah. English names for the Storms. Yeah. Storm Nigel. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, but the trees bending over, <laughs> you know, outside. There's, there's flooding. It's just absolute chaos. And um, yeah, so it's hard work. And I know it's hard work sometimes in Chicago in the winter because of the the Baltic. Uh, freezing cold but it can be really hard work in England throughout the winter months you get into February you think well we're nearly there now look is spring in the air no spring is not in the air it's absolutely terrible (laughs) but the football is is simply outstanding and you know I had a lovely experience out at LA went to the Super Bowl hosted from SoFi Stadium you know the Premier League show we had three midweek shows and then the big ones at the weekend my alarm Tyler on the Saturday was set for 1.45 a.m. Um, that's the, a first. I, I was in bed with the, the, hard the, pass. the the blackout curtains in the hotel room, four twenty three p.m. Chewing Advil p.m. Um, so I actually managed <laughs> to get some decent amount of sleep in, and then the uh, I think the call time the next morning um, was an hour later. So the, the alarm was two forty five, and the driver overslept. So we got to the set forty minutes. You have the worst there. luck with that. Uh, it doesn't matter what incredible. it doesn't matter what continent you're in. Like the drive, yeah. the driver situation is always in shambles. <laughs> all, all my work colleagues are starting to refuse to share a car with me because they know it will be late <laughs> and it's going to stress them out. But uh, no, that was fabulous. And then coming back and then hosting from Sky Sports with Lee and Graham—that's something we've never done before. We've hosted shows from Sky Sports, but normally they're transfer deadline or, or season preview. This is the first time that we've done um, you know the full weekend of games and hosted it from London, and that was that was a lot of fun it's long days 
Um, but it was a lot of fun. Basically, NBC studio space was utterly and completely maxed out. So we had to take mm. the Premier League show on the road for a couple of weeks. And it was a great experience, Tyler. You know, as a broadcaster, the more things you can do, the more strings you have to your bow, you know, the more valuable you are and the more experience you get. So it's uh, it's nice to be able to have that string and and to be called upon, you know, called off the bench when Rebecca's not available. Um, but I did miss the gantry and I did miss one of the greatest games in Premier League history. But we'll get to that in a second, I'm sure. Yeah. So first of all, um, you did a fantastic job. It was it was a pleasure to watch, and you would have no idea that that's not your main discipline. Uh, for somebody who didn't know that you were you were strictly a commentator for the Premier League and not and not hosting all that often. So so kudos to you and the entire crew for for a great job. And um, I just want to you know I think we should let the fans know moving forward, Arlo. And you know if you have any complaints about this, you can send them directly to Adub. But we are going to be splitting up the podcast uh, moving forward heading into this uh, 2022 MLS season and towards the tail end of the Premier League, that we are going to basically have a Premier League episode and a fire episode every single week. So a little bit uh, separation of church and state. Um, and, and just given how much news has been surrounding the fire, and of course we're going to have an episode on the fire this week, and, and we're just going to split it up moving forward. But I think, it's, I think it's the best way to sort of spend the proper amount of time on each subject with the fire and MLS, and then of course the Premier League. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to sort of, you know, that, that distinction between the two moving forward. Yeah, because the Premier League, there's so much to talk about, Tyler, as you know, and we're going to get into that in a second. But the Chicago Fire, man, I can feel the buzz from this side of the Atlantic with all the signings and Shakiri coming in, Torres coming in, you know, and watching the video. It was on Sky Sports News this morning, you know, Shakiri being greeted by the fans in Chicago when he arrived. You know, it, it, gives, it, it had a tremendous sense of pride and excitement just seeing mm. that, you know, on, on my television screen in the UK. So it's causing ripples around the football world and it's fantastic. So, you know, Fire fans, and there's going to be so much interest, you'll have your, dedi- your own dedicated intercontinental football show. And if you like a bit of Premier League as well, you have a dedicated Premier League show. So I think it's a win-win. I don't think A-Dub, and we can give out his mobile number, but I don't think he's going to get many complaints. I hope not. I sir, A-Dub, how are you, my friend? What, what's what's cooking in your world? Oh, nothing. You know, I'm just living. It's cold out here in D.C. Arlo's complaining over there. It's cold here in the nation's mm-hmm. capital. So I'm just staying inside. A lot of Premier League games to watch this weekend. Only seven touches for me, as well as Lukaku. So I'm just trying to, you know, <laughs> you just get by. I'm just trying to get by. You know, I'm trying to bulk up for the summer right now. I was I was going to ask you, are you going to have more interjections on this episode than Lukaku had touches um, against Crystal Palace or no? We'll see how the slander goes. If the slander okay. is high, you will hear me just come in, slander, slander. Okay, fair enough. Seven fair enough. I mean, I don't think it'll be difficult. It won't, it, it won't be difficult for you to have that many interjections and more, more touches than Lukaku. Slander. Slander, more seven, slander, seven more touches, slander. Including a kickoff. I didn't think about that part. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about something that, that's exciting and that isn't just, you know, total negativity surrounding Romelu Lukaku. Let's talk about the fact that the title race is officially back on. Manchester City fall not once but twice to Tottenham Hotspur. They, it was one of the greatest games we've seen in a long, long time. Liverpool get the job done after a scare against Norwich in the second half. But with the game in hand, Liverpool playing on Wednesday, the title race is officially back on. If they get three points, then City are going to start to feel the heat. Mr. Arlo White, you know, we've been talking about for weeks how City were going to run away with this. But I just – and listen, I was buying into the same – narrative that everybody else was was spewing but I will say at the beginning of the season around the 11 week mark I said I said 
this city team does not feel like the one that can go on and rattle off 17 wins in a row. There seemed to be something different about them. I didn't think that the gap was going to be closed this quickly or we were actually going to have a title race this year. But if Liverpool get these three points on Wednesday against Leeds, then then I think we can all officially say that the race is very much on. Oh, the race is absolutely on. There's no question about it. And And Tottenham's performance was was simply magnificent. The game plan was incredible. I mean, if you look at Tottenham in 2022 in the Premier League, Tyler, they've they've had a 94th minute winner, I think, against Watford. They scored twice against my Foxes beyond 94-50 um, to, to win 3-2. Then they lose mm. three straight games. And then they score a 94th, 95th minute winner against Manchester City. It's extraordinary. I'm sure it's it's no good for the nerves for Tottenham fans. It's a win that got them back in into the uh, into the, the the talk for top four, and that's another uh, conversation we'll have a little bit later because that's really heating up as well. But it did the whole league a favour. Now, if you're Manchester, you're a Manchester City fan. Obviously, you're devastated that you've lost that game and you've you've allowed Liverpool back in. Um, but for the neutrals, and if you work the games like like I do, you know you want excitement. You want this thing to go down to the wire. You don't want a procession year on year, and that's what you know it looked like it might be. I always had an inkling that this thing would not be a procession. I always thought that Liverpool, if they just maintained their form and kept on their coattails, that we could have a race. And it feels like Liverpool, and 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 yeah, I'll defer to you, Tyler. You know, you being a massive red, but it feels like Liverpool have a bit of momentum. They have Harvey mm. Elliott coming back. Luis Diaz, who they stole from under the nose of Tottenham Hotspur on transfer deadline day, looks like a fantastic player. Beautiful finish for the third goal against Norwich. It's a blow to lose Jota for however long and, and Firmino. That, you know, that is a blow. No question about it. But Salah's back. Mane's back. They both look fantastic. Thiago, when he came on, just bossed the game. And it feels like Liverpool... I do have a bit of momentum. And I was talking to Graham and Lee on the show about this, that having covered Liverpool's title win, their first in 30 years, remember, they sealed it behind closed doors. So you imagine Mm -hmm. all that. All that passion, all that pent-up frustration from 30 years of hurt. Yes, they won Champions Leagues, FA Cups, League Cups, great. And they had time, you know, to parades and open-top bus rides, thousands of people at them in, in Liverpool. But they never had that moment, Tyler. They never had the moment to, to watch Jordan Henderson lift the Premier League trophy at Anfield and roar and then have the open-top bus because they couldn't go to the grounds and then they couldn't be a procession because of the pandemic. So I think there's a motivating factor that's driving Liverpool here if they need any more motivation. And that's, let's win one in front of the fans for the first yeah. time in 32 years, it, 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 it'll be now. Um, I've got to say, though, I mean, on Saturday, they were 1-0 down to Norwich City after 48 minutes. And I'm thinking... I was I, I was, I was, a wreck. I was... Yeah. <laughs> it's over. It's over today. Because then City will go and beat Spurs and the gap will be 12 points, 15 points, whatever it would have been. So the swing, the three goals that they got, just put a little bit of pressure on City. And it's always been 12 points, 9 points. 12 points, 9 points, with Liverpool having two or one game in hand. They needed City to, to drop points, and that's exactly what they did. So now with beating, as you say, and, and they've got to play the games, and they can't take anything for granted, yeah. and their leads are erratic, and they're open, and they're easy to score against. But they're dangerous, um, and if they take any, if they take them lightly on Wednesday, they they could they could fall. But if they win yeah. that game, they are within three points, having played the same amount of games, and these two teams are on a collision course in early April for what could be if they win out and they're bound to drop points along the way. I, I would I would suspect, but if they win out 
in theory, it's in Liverpool's hands. But if they yeah. win out, it, and that April the 9th game, it's going to move for TV purposes. But let's just say early April, that could be a title decider. And that is going to be as close as we'll get to a Super Bowl in the Premier League. I mean, when, think back to the beginning of the season, Arlo, when it was City and Chelsea and even United after the Ronaldo mm-hmm. signing that were really being pegged as, as the favorites to win the Premier League. I mean, for and we talked about this, and I, and I posed the question early in the season, why are Liverpool simply being counted out just because of the fact that they had all these injuries last year and barely got over the line from a Champions League standpoint, needed an Allison, um, you know, game winner against, against who was it? Um, I believe it was Villa oh. or, or something of the sort. And, and West Brom, the header. West yeah. Brom, excuse me, West Brom. And and I said I said why are they the, they came into this season with something to prove when in reality they were just getting back to the full squad that had just won the Premier League two years ago so they're almost playing with this underdog mentality and with something to prove and with a chip on their shoulder the entire season and they got a, and and they got through that difficult time where where Mane and Salah and Keita were were away for Africa Cup of Nations and they come out the other side still intact in Champions League obviously still hovering around the Premier League title race getting to a Carabao Cup final and and now they find themselves with a real posi- in a real position to push for the title i mean it's 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 just incredible what Jurgen Klopp and what some of the guys have been able to do that have been filling in during this time getting Luis Diaz is is a massive move and a huge transfer and all they needed was was one signing to potentially carry them over and, and give them a little bit of insurance if injuries to Firmino to Jota mm-hmm. would have happened and obviously have come through but um I mean what a what a time to be alive right now and and obviously the game against Norwich was was frightening especially considering I had tweeted at Lee Hannett at the Chicago Fire our resident Norwich fan with the only oh, one in Chicago um, basically tweet tweeting at him it was it was the Luis Suarez goal from from just inside a midfield against Norwich that I tweeted at him before the game started and then of course the goal goes in and then he fires back on me and everybody's loving it and I was like please lord do not do not let them lose this game at home to Norwich but um it, it's 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 just really great to to feel that sense of excitement and and possibility that the Premier League title race is back on because we just don't want City winning Premier League title after Premier League title and then they have to you know start talking about a potential playoff just to mix up the champion every 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 couple of years. Yeah, and and look, Manchester City may well still win this thing. Um, Lee and Graham, you know, in the studio both think that will happen. It's hard to 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 disagree. Um, you know, they've got the points on the board. They've got tremendous footballers and. You know, every time they lose a game, it seems to spark a 13, 14 match winning run. They're more than capable of doing that. You know, Liverpool have some really tough fixtures, although City do have the Manchester derby coming up as well. But it just means that every game you're going to get Liverpool playing on Saturday. They go level on points. And then what can City do the next day? And just having that to and fro is going to be absolutely thrilling. And it's down to Liverpool to just maintain the consistency. I, I, I love the team. I mean, I love the fullbacks. I mean, are there two better fullbacks in the Premier League? You could pro- possibly argue that Cancelo at left back, you know, would he get in ahead of Robertson? Perhaps. I love Trent on the right hand side. You know, Canate's added depth at centre back. They've stayed healthy. The injuries this season have been in the midfield, but they've got depth there and they've been able to cope with it. And then you've got more depth now. It's not just a front three, it became a front four with, with Jota, three out of four. Now, Luis Diaz is there as well and you know all signs point to a title race fingers crossed this thing 
does go down to the wire because it, it's about time we had one that went down to the final day with either team capable of winning yeah. it. And, and that's that's what we want. You know, as neutrals, as TV people, that's that's what we want. That's what the Premier League wants. We don't want this idea that this league is becoming like the Bundesliga and Bayern Munich win 25 in a row or PSG you know, win however many in a row in, in France. We don't want that. We want it to be more competitive. And these two at the moment are so far ahead of everybody else. And, and A-Dub, you know, I try, I'll try not to slander I'll try and put this respectfully. No, do it. Do Chelsea, it. Chelsea fell way out of the title race quite a mm. while ago, and and it was a late goal against Crystal Palace. And before that, you're thinking, my goodness, they they've they've just dropped point after point after point after point, and you start to think, are they going to finish third? Could they get caught for third? But then you know, ZX scores the goal, and they deserve to win, of course. But you know, in a game where. Romelu Lukaku, your record signing, you know, on the back of Havertz and Werner not really paying off, you get Romelu Lukaku in. And including a kickoff, he has seven touches of the football in the entire match. Now, that's either players not passing to him, um, him not being part of the game plan, him not being in spaces. I, I just don't understand how your fulcrum, your, your main spearhead, up front can have six touches in open play, the lowest amount by any footballer to play 90 minutes since Opta started keeping records in 2003, 2004. It is just, I mean, A-Dub, what, what is going on? Uh, yeah, three points, scrappy, love it, went to the last minute, you know, they're Club World Cup winners as well, so fair play. But how does that happen? They're terrible is how it happens. <laughs> they haven't played a good game, Marlo. No joke, I'm not kidding. They haven't played a good game Elf, that was not against Tottenham. That was not against Tottenham since, I believe, November 23rd was that Juventus game when they won 4-0. Since then, they have not. They just don't look good. And it's easy. All you have to do is put two center backs on Lukaku because the wingers aren't going to score. Pulisic falls down every time he gets the ball or gives it away. Ziyech has to be in a ton of space, and he is the most creative guy we have right now. And both of our wing backs that we count on for creativity are still out. Yeah. So there's, it's just, it's a mess right now. Kai Havertz is struggling. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's Tuchel's system or whatnot, but it's just ugly, ugly, ugly for Chelsea right now. It was a good three and points because we need. Can it. you move? Can you move to the left a little bit? I just want to see what that board says behind you because you're not exactly sticking to it. Positive vibes only. That was maybe the most negative rant that you've had on this show, and most of and most of what comes out of your mouth has been pretty negative on this show to begin with. I said they played well in November. I didn't say it's been all bad. That's a positive sign. We're still in Champions League. We still look good. They got the game Tuesday against Lille. So as long as they just keep winning, keep getting these three points, I guess as a Chelsea fan, you just have to be like, yes, we're somewhat happy. We'll beat Liverpool this weekend to get the EFL Cup, whatever that really means. And then from there, we just got to keep getting Hey, that's a major trophy. That is a major trophy. Yeah. Um, For Arsenal fans... Yeah, but there's only three trophies to play for. Look, it's not the most important, but Manchester City took that trophy seriously and won four out of five, I think. And they celebrated it like it was, you know, the World Cup. And what I love about Tyler, I don't know what you think about this. It's just, is it unique to, to football? Is it unique to English football? Um, you could be the Euro the reigning European and world champions and still be in crisis. It is absolutely well, it's... ridiculous. But that's where Chelsea find themselves because, as Adub says, it's a bit dysfunctional at the moment. You know, you look at the contract situation for the likes of Rudiger and Christensen. How has that been allowed to happen? The two wing-backs, Chilwell and Reese James, huge misses. I have sympathy for that. The midfield, you've got Jorginho in there, Kovacic and Golo Conte, world-class. 
it's the forward areas. Mason Mount's been injured recently. He's been okay this season. Havertz, there's a player there. There's clearly a player there, a very good player. Just hasn't performed. Werner, don't get me started on him, you know, as a finisher. You just, I mean, there's, there's audible groans go around um, Stamford Bridge when, when they realise it's Werner that has the chance on goal. <laughs> they like his work rate, but he is a jigsaw in front of goal. He just simply falls to pieces. Um, and then then this Lukaku problem is, is massive. So, you know, they're so dysfunctional in the forward areas um, that they've fallen way off the pace. But as I say, th- there could be a second trophy in a matter of weeks this Sunday to add to the, the Champions League. You know, they're still in the FA Cup as well. So all is not lost for Chelsea, but they would swap all of this obviously, to be in the title race and to be to be challenging for the big one, you know, outside of the Champions League, the big one is the Premier League. That's where they need to be and that's where Tuchel well, has to help them. Well, it's, well, it's the, the way that the scheduling works, right? I mean, they're playing the FIFA Club World Cup and being deemed the world champions, you know, a season later after the yeah. fact. So, like, the whole mood in the team can change from a, you know, at least from a Premier League standpoint. It's just... It's just been disappointing for this group, and we said at the beginning of the season that they they probably needed to stay healthy in the in the attacking front, and the wingers needed to stay healthy. But it, we I don't think we ever thought we were going to get to the point where we were like they just they just need a change just because they simply can't get it done moving forward. Um, but it's just it's 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 just mind boggling how like you like you said. But also the other thing is that it's Chelsea. Is that you know I don't there's not many other clubs where where you could be fighting for trophies and and still contending for Champions League and it still feels like you're in shambles. There's only there's only <laughs> a couple of clubs in the world like that where and 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 Adub, you know, unfortunately subscribes to one of those clubs and but I appreciate you know the, the you know the, that the bar is incredibly high and maybe a little bit too high. Um but the 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 way this scheduling works out always baffled me because you're because you're playing in these tournaments like Champions League and FIFA Club World Cup for your accomplishments last year. Like as an as an American sports fan, it's it would make more sense for me if you win Champions League and then the Club World Cup happens that summer. Like that would that makes yeah. more sense to me in terms of like putting putting the cherry on top and putting the bow on the season and actually seeing what that group that you won Champions League with can do and you know like outside of the fact that there could be ten changes to your to your roster you know during the off season or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, going back back in 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 um, my youth, uh, way back, um, the the European Cup, which is now the Champions League, only the the league winners went in from each country and and the holders. So that was a trophy. That was a trophy basically uh, for teams that that were a year on from their their title win. So it's kind of it's not unprecedented. And that, look, you can argue the Club World Cup is a it's a bit of a farce, isn't it? You've got to beat you know, a Middle Eastern team to get to the final, then you've just got to beat the South American champions, which by definition, because all the best players are in Europe, you know, you should be doing that. Palmeiras give it give it a good a good go. They lost 2-1 in extra time. But I, but I just, you earn the right. People are deriding that trophy. You earn the right to compete for it. And you earn the right by winning the Champions League, which is the best club competition on earth. So you deserve to have a shot at the FIFA Club World Cup. And when you win it, you deserve to be called world champions. But but as you say, they are they are probably, possibly not as effective as a team as they were when they won the Champions League. And the, you have to question the recruitment. Was Thomas Tuchel, was he involved in the signing of Romelu Lukaku? Or was it a Maria Granitskaya, um, Petr Cech, sort of uh, Roman Abramovich situation? And he was foisted upon Thomas Tuchel, who and he's not a player that, that, that suits Tuchel's system. And and so who wins out? Does, does Romelu Lukaku get sold in the summer? Who's going to pay the fee? 
Um, who's going to pay the wages? Because he's just in that astronomical sort of financial situation now. I mean, he's he's the world record holder for, for transfers fees, isn't he? He's, it's over $300, $400 million. So where's his next move if he were to leave Chelsea? Or do you go for a manager... Um, and, and ditch Tuchel, who's brilliant, but you ditch him for a, for a manager that's going to get the best out of uh, Romelu Lukaku. There's some serious questions uh, to be asked of Chelsea in the off-season. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how all this plays out. So Chelsea have obviously been a little bit of a disappointment. Let's talk about somebody who's on the other side of the spectrum, who's starting to surprise and maybe could be viewed as, as a bit of a dark horse um, in Wolves. And yeah. Wolves at the beginning of the season were struggling to get results, but their performances were there. Everything up until the you know final third, I thought was really, really good. And you were just sort of waiting for Bruno Lage's side to explode. And Raul Jimenez was getting back to fitness and the whole thing. And now they find themselves having won four out of the last five. They did have a really um, untimely and, and, and just not a great loss to, um, to Arsenal, which put them in a little bit more of a difficult spot for, for a top four push. But they're six points out right now, but they're playing some really good football. And they're struggling to score, but defensively, they're super sound. They obviously got rid of Traore, who's now with Barcelona, but they still have a ton of pieces. And and at the end of the day, they you can make the argument that they are very much in, in that race right now just because nobody nobody wants fourth place at the moment. Well, you're absolutely right. And, um, and I've been on the Wolves bandwagon for a few weeks now because I've seen them steadily rise up the league they've been almost stealth like in in their work because they don't they haven't been in a lot of um major tv windows so when it comes to the big 4:30 on sunday game or the 5:30 on saturday i'm talking uk time you know wolves tend not to have been in those slots so people aren't haven't been paying attention to them and they've also like you say not been scoring lots of goals so they you know they're not making many highlight reels at the moment but i tell you what they are Excellent, and and Bruno Large has come in. You know the the um, the um, Nuno Espirito Santo. You know the three or four year cycle came to an end. He did brilliantly, got them into the Premier League, established them, got them into Europe, and you know it just came to an end really that cycle. And Bruno Large has been fantastic. You look at the players that they have: Moutinho, Neves in the centre of the park, Dendonka is a Belgium international. The back three: um, Cody, Kilman, Roman Seiss are fantastic. The new goalkeeper Sars excellent the wing back Semedo and eight Nuri terrific and then Daniel Podence he is the he's the frosting on the top of the cake isn't he mm-hmm. he is some player scored a lovely really goal like him yesterday. yeah and now Pedro Neto's back as well from injury and he's a little wizard on the ball as well and you've got Raul Jimenez uh, up top who's getting back to something like like his best and and it's it's a great story you know I mean they're West Midlands rivals of Leicester you know, Leicester, we've had our day. We've had our fun. Maybe we just kind of become a mid-table club for a couple of years now. It's I love to see. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on, yeah, hold no, on no, a second. Are no, you are, no. are you official? Wait, wait. Can we mark that? All right, episode. What are we at? Thirty-nine, February twenty-first. You are officially putting an end to the Leicester era that that saw you guys win trophy after trophy, and you guys are now back to being uh, the mid, the mid, the Midlands club in the mid-table. Uh, look, I'll be furious if we don't win the European Conference League, but put it that way. Um, and I think we can win that to get back in Europa next season. So, but, so, so will Spurs. So yeah, will Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I mean, what I love about English football is the institutions. And, and Wolverhampton Wanderers may not be the sexiest football club in the world uh, or, or, or known to many people in America or around the world. But in the 1950s, they were a powerhouse. They were the first team in England to play under floodlights. They, they won the unofficial Champions League, European Cup, before 
it was an official competition. They were the best team in Europe. They they were they were renowned. They won three titles in England. They were just renowned as 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 being the benchmark for excellence in English football. And then they fell away, you know, and then the ground fell into ruin. They went down to the fourth division. It's been a real odyssey for them to get to get to the point where they are now. They've got, you know, Chinese ownership um and uh, the the super agent um uh, what's his name? George Mendes is involved in the signings. Lots of Portuguese players coming in, you know, I don't I don't know whether we need to look look under that rock too for too long to see what the transfer dealings are. I'm sure it's all above board, but it's it's a system that is working beautifully, and I enjoy watching them play. I think they're a very sophisticated football club. Molyneux is a brilliant ground. That the crowd there are just insane. I gotta go there. It looks the the, the noise oh, there is great. great coming through the it's TV. Fabulous. I gotta make my way over the Molyneux. It's fabulous. The gantry is wonderful as well. So yeah, look, I think Wolves is a great story, and I've been on their bandwagon for a few months now, telling people to keep your eye out for them. If they win those two games in hand over Manchester United, they will be level on points with them. And you mentioned the game against Arsenal where they lost one nil. They were playing against. 10 men, weren't they, for the last 20 minutes? Lost by mm-hmm. a goal to nil. Neves said, well, those Arsenal players were celebrating like they won the league. And that rubbed a few people up the wrong way. But then they go to Spurs and they win 2 nil. Then they beat uh, Leicester 2-1. Um, Leicester, you know, a little bit unfortunate, but there you go. That's, that's the rub at the moment. But they've got Arsenal on Thursday. Now, what a game that's going to be at, at the Emirates. Um, they win that, they are massively in the race for top four mm-hmm. because then they go to West Ham and I'm doing the game at the weekend, West Ham against Wolves. So Wolves, don't count them out. And if it's not top four, they are certainly in the race for European football and breaking into the top six. All right, I'm going to ask both of you right now. If somebody um, basically were saying to you, you have to make a decision as to whether or not Liverpool are going to win the league or Wolves are going to get in the top four, what would you what, choose? What, what, what's most likely? Yeah. I think what's most likely, realistically, is probably Liverpool to win the league. Hmm. I would I co-sign agree. that. I would absolutely co-sign that. I don't think Wolves get it. Arsenal still have a lot of games in hand, and Man United, I mean, as bad as they look sometimes, they're not losing games at this point. No, no, and that's another and thing. it does look bad. Yeah, another great game, though. Yes, um, another great game at Ellen Road. I mean, that was a throwback, wasn't it? Leeds against Manchester United. Again, you talk about institutions. Leeds, you know, this goes back to the War of the Roses in the 15th century. House York, the White Rose against House Lancaster, the Red Red Rose. Now the manifestation, modern manifestation, is Man United against Leeds United. The atmosphere, brutal, hostile, nasty. And United went in. And, and as they have been doing recently, they take a 2-0 lead. It Storm Franklin was... Did you see the standing water? I mean, at one point, we're thinking this game's going to be postponed. Love um, it. Love it. Great sliding tackles, you know, muddy kits. It was just fantastic. And by the way, Man United physically are up for the fight. They, they're no shrinking violets. McTominay in the centre of the park. I don't know how he doesn't get more yellow cards, but but he's a force. <laughs> and like Maguire's a force, you know, Wan-Bissaka physically is a force. Bruno's up for it, although he throws himself around a little bit too much for my liking. Um, but they, they went 2-0 up at the break and you think cruise control now. But just as they always seem to do at the moment, very Man United-y, is they just take their foot off the gas. Completely. And then Leeds get a freaky goal to go 2-1. 59 seconds later, it's 2-2. Then they have chance after chance, and you think, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster for Manchester United. But fair play to them. And it's brave of Ralph Ragnick to take off Paul Pogba at 2-2, put Fred on. I don't think he was expecting Fred to score the goal, Tyler, but he did. And then Anthony I Alanga, I had, I had Fred. I had Fred, Fred any time goal scorer on that game. Did yeah. you? 
Did you? No, I didn't. No, no absolutely not. <laughs> the beers are on you if that's the case. Um, <laughs> and Anthony Langer makes it four two, and then at the, at the end, because they've had a tur- you know another week of tumult. Um, Ronaldo and Maguire, the captain, have they fallen out? Is there a power struggle behind this? I mean, by the way, Man United, just stop leaking stuff to the press. Just get on with playing football, would you? You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. The noise coming out of Man United is ridiculous. What I do like is is the level headedness of Ralph Ragnick, and what I what I loved yesterday was him going up, shaking hands with all these players, giving them a hug. A bit, bit Klopp-esque. He's not, he's not that sort of character, but it was, it, was, it was a little bit Cloppy. And then he goes up to the, to the away fans and gives them a punch in the air. And I like to see that, that passion. And I like to see that um, emotion because that is a tough place to go for Manchester United. And, and save for, you know, a mad 20, 25 minutes at the start of the second half, I thought they came through that test pretty, pretty well. Um, so, yeah, it, it, if, you were, if you're going to bet... I think I think the smart money would probably be on Manchester United, but you also know that they have some awful performances in them, so it's far mm-hmm. from certain. And by the way, since Ragnick took over, he took over in eighth place. So all these players, if they are moaning about training methods and Chris Armas and likening him because he's American to Ted Lasso and all this stuff that's going on behind the scenes, right? Ralph Ragnick's got you into fourth. Yep. He's, he's, he's done exactly what he what he was supposed to come in and do and just they've steady the once. ship. Yep. yep. They've lost once at home to Wolves. He's taken over a dysfunctional situation. I, If I was Manchester United, I don't know what the financial situation is, but I'd, I'd say thank you, Cristiano. That was a wonderful season. Thank you for, you know, lovely swan song. Part ways, start yes. again next season. They've got this horrible yep. situation involving Mason Greenwood. I don't think we'll be seeing him playing football if ever again, you know, with with the with mm-hmm. the with the situation that he faces uh, now, um, but it, I, I think they will probably finish by default in fourth place. But it is that race is far from over. All right. Premier League title race back on officially if Liverpool can get three points against Leeds. I think this is going to be a very good game. Um, you know, obviously quick turnaround for both teams. Uh, this is going to be at Anfield. We know that leads are going to be open. It's going to be exciting. They're going to throw all the numbers forward, but they're going to leave themselves exposed. They're probably going to concede a set-piece goal to Virgil van Dijk. I'm going to definitely bet on, on, on van Dijk anytime goal scorer because I think that's, a, that's, a sa- <laughs> that's sound money right there. And yes, we can, we, can go to the, uh, we can go to Jay Parker on top of Hotel Lincoln when you get here in the summer and drinks will be on me if that comes through. But <laughs> thoughts, on that, thoughts on that game? And then uh, why don't you let the good folks know what games you're going to be back on the call for in the gantry. So my thoughts on that game, and, and you know, it, it will be with a heavy heart, but I think we're seeing the end of the Marcelo Bielsa era at Leeds United. And, uh, it, you know, I, I, and I'm fine with that. Um, they are, they're tired. They are being outrun. They've had awful injuries in key areas. The spine of the team has been missing. You know, you've got Liam Cooper, I think he's captain of Scotland. He's certainly captain of, of Leeds out for a while. Calvin Phillips, I mean, he's irreplaceable in the midfield for Leeds United. Patrick Bamford, their top scorer. So three huge players to be missing. And, and Bielsa insists on small squads. Didn't add to it in January. So when you lose big players like that, you're exposed. And this man-to-man sort of game plan, you know what you're going to get. You know, Graham and Lee, they tear their hair out when, when they watch it because they, they imagine themselves playing in a team like that and how exposed they'd be and how furious yeah. they'd be and how frustrated they'd be. But I say to them that if you're a Leeds United fan, you don't care. You've had a fantastic four. You don't want to go down, obviously. 
but you've had a fantastic, exciting four years. And the Premier League has been better for having Marcelo Bielsa in it. Every game they yep. play, whether they lose 7-3 or whatever, you know, win 5-2, it doesn't matter. They are extraordinary to watch. Great entertainment. I just feel, you know, whether it's his, you know, age and stage of his career, Leeds United are just starting to limp and they're showing signs of wear and tear because the demands placed on them over the last four years to get to where they are have been immense and I just think they're running out of steam and it might be time for a different voice, a different approach and then Bielsa takes his little magic, you know, he doesn't win many trophies but he takes his magical brand of football uh, somewhere else. I'd, I'd love for him to stay in England somewhere but I think Leeds United and Bielsa will part ways very amicably and I think all Leeds fans, provided they stay up, all Leeds fans will say thank you very much for making our dreams come true and exciting us and exhilarating us to the level that you have and we'll never forget you. And I think that would be a nice sort of way to end it. I, I do think they're going to get thumped at Anfield on Wednesday mm. by three goals to nil. And Here's the, the gap will be yes. three points. So, and, and this weekend, so back on the gantry, can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. It's, I think it's about a month or five weeks since I caught a game, but it's Everton like Man with, City. It's like withdrawal. I know, I have got withdrawal. I have to remember how to do it. Um, Everton, sorry, yeah, Everton-Manchester City on Saturday. That's the NBC game. I'm not sure about the channel for Sunday. I'll have to look that up, but it's uh, West Ham against Wolves. So, two, again, you know, title race, Everton in, in, in relegation uh, problems, and then you've got the race for the top four on Sunday at the London Stadium. So, it's just every weekend is spectacularly entertaining. But I've got to say, Tyler, just before we go, Obviously, Lee, Graham and I were looking forward to this hosting Saturday. And it was a freakish Saturday where you had eight games. So 16 teams were in action and and six of those games, this never happened, six of those games kicked off at, uh, at what, 9am Central. So they, we call them the 10 Eastern. Over here, it's 3pm. And we're thinking, oh my God, the highlights at half time. You know, it's going to be an absolute <laughs> shit show. You know, of, of we call it rippage. You've got all these... Um, rippage. Sheets. Yeah, we call it you could do ripping sheet after sheet after sheet after sheet and going through <laughs> them at breakneck uh, speed. Um and at half time of the of all six games, there were two goals, both by Burnley. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. And Burnley never score. So it was just the most bizarre um half time when nothing was happening. And then from that point until the end of that day and then into Sunday, it was just bedlam. Um wonderful chaos. Um but it was just funny we were just laughing amongst ourselves because we were not dreading it, but we were kind of like bracing ourselves for the maddest 15 minutes of our entire careers. And it was like, yep, yeah, two goals, both to Burnley. Here they are. <laughs> <laughs> every, every, just like everyone predicted. Just like Yay, everyone predicted. Exactly. Well, this was uh, this was great uh, Premier League recap. We had we had so much to cover. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Episode thirty nine of the Intercontinental Football Show. Remember to give us five stars, four stars, nothing below that. Uh, Spotify podcasts, uh, Apple, Stitcher, however you get them. Leave us some sort of rate, review, like, subscribe. We appreciate all your love um, as we are inching closer and closer to a hundred thousand downloads. We have eclipsed eighty thousand. Next stop one hundred k. But. Great chat in Premier League with you, Arlo. If you are a Chicago Fire fan, episode number 40 is going to be strictly on a Chicago Fire and, and what a January transfer window that they have had. Um, so, or I should say winter transfer window as it's extended until, until May. Yep, we have had. We have had. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, but Arlo, thank you very much, sir. A-Dub, class as always. I think your interjections uh, were fewer than Lukaku's touches uh, against Crystal yeah. Palace. So well done to you. I had the under. Yeah, yeah, so did I. So did I. He's just trying to hide. Just to hide. 
I can't wait. You should. You two should watch the EFL Cup final on Sunday on a on a Zoom call. I would pay. Ooh. I'd subscribe and pay to watch that. I I I would just I would just leave angry and upset even if we did win. I I don't I don't I don't like to fight with Ada, but at the same time, sort of my body craves it. It's it's a it's a really bad addiction and habit. But anyway, Intercontinental Football Show episode thirty nine in the books. Have a great week, folks.